Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Diggers podcast on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I'm Rob Stats Carrera. She is Michelle Majuk. What's up, Michelle? Hey, hey, I have Taylor Swift in two days, so I am extremely excited for this weekend. We got a free hotel room because the Hyatt is awesome and it's what? right near it. Yeah, it's right near the venue. So we looked at the prices. It was like five eighty four per night Ooh. to stay there. It was only because of the Taylor Swift is right there. You know, mm-hmm. it's at a Hyatt place or something. Hyatt. I don't know. Something not a fancy hotel. But then we realized we had a free room and they let us use it. I cannot believe they let us use that on a night where it's so expensive, but we just booked it last night that we are very much procrastinators. We knew we wanted to stay in a hotel near the venue. And then we uh, literally booked it last night. So you have floor seats to see Taylor Swift and you got the free hotel room. Yeah, baby. That's good. That means you only ended up spending like, $55,000 $55,000 on these tickets. <laughs> Great. Uh, we're going to get to Trey Lance rumors. We're going to get to the Niners speaking to the media on Monday, which I am fascinated about. And Michelle's going to let me rant about. And then we're going to look at the top draft needs for the 49ers because a week from now, Michelle, when we talk again, the 49ers still will not have made a draft <laughs> they, pick. unless They, they may up. have. They may That's have. True. We're going to get to all of that. Do. Uh, but first, I want to read a review because we always say if you take the time to leave a review, we will read it on the show. This one comes from Lars Honeytoast49, Michelle, and they're calling you out. Lars says, Michelle owes me a spoonful of mayo. Quote, I'm reviewing again to get the rating up, but mainly to remind Rob about the bet I made with Michelle and I before the start of the season. In what now appears to be a comically bad prediction, Michelle must have had one too many mimosas because she had predicted both Broncos wide receivers, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, to finish in the top 10 of fantasy wide receivers. Giving her the benefit of the doubt, I said that if either of them make up the top 10, I would take a spoonful of mayo. Of course, we all know how that turned out. Waiting on that bite, Michelle. By the way, I love the full WWE heel turn Rob had in his rivalry with George Kittle. I can only assume it's part shtick, but I still find it entertaining. Keep it up. First part, Michelle, I went back. I dove into the tape. Turns out you did have Cortland Sutton as wide receiver seven. Yeah, you didn't have to dive back into the tape. I I had Cortland Sutton very high. I was very high in Cortland Sutton. I have a little gripe with this because I did not have Jerry Judy close to my top 10. I wasn't high on him at all last offseason. I was very, very high in Cortland Sutton. So I don't know where the Jerry Judy thing came into play. Uh, but I will take a spoonful of mayo. I did not have any in the house this morning. But next episode, I owe you a spoonful of mayo for being so wrong about Cortland Sutton. But really, I was just so wrong about Russell Wilson. That is just terrible news for you. Not only do you have to, on the day of the 49ers picking in the draft, you're going to have to take a spoonful of mayo, which we have both done at different times on this podcast and can confirm from direct 
personal experience is horrible. It's not fun, but I will have my Dr. Pepper to wash it down and I'll get there through it. There we go. I owe the bet and I will, I'll, I'll do it next week. Please like and subscribe to the YouTube page. And of course, keep those reviews coming. We love them. And I love anyone that holds us accountable. In, in this case, it's Michelle. But if it's me too, and I get stuff wrong or make, please call me out on it. Look, I host a lot of shows on this damn network. Sometimes I forget some of the things that I say. So if, if there's something like this, please bring it to my attention because I want to be held responsible for this stuff. Uh, so yeah, good luck to you, Michelle. Well, I think you need to take one for saying that. Who I don't even remember the guy's name at this point because it, he was so pointless. Kamoko, what was his name? Kamoko Ture. Yeah, you were like, he's going to have five, six, seven sacks this year. He had one tackle. <laughs> he had one tackle. I told you he'd be pointless. And I think you need to take a spoonful of mail for being so wrong about that. No. I said he had the potential to do it, and I was never confident enough to. I will never bet the Mayo you again. You said he had it the potential to have five to seven yeah, sacks, and he had one I did. tackle. All year long. Well, he didn't play every game. It's not like he played all season long and had one tackle, Michelle. Obviously, he didn't play because he was never going to play. They didn't sign him to play because he was pointless. And you were so excited about the signing. And I told you I was so confused why you were excited. He was just a random body signing. Those are the guys the 49ers make all the time and they get five or six oh, sacks. My Lord. I stand by that it was a there was solid foundation for that prediction. I stand by that Cortland Sutton was amazing in fantasy this year. <laughs> he was so bad. Anyway, can we talk about the 49ers, please? Yes. All right. Trey Lance trade rumors dominated the storylines this week. Ian Rappaport just, you know, throwing that Molotov cocktail out there Wednesday morning. Just figured, yeah, you know what? Let me just tweet this about Trey Lance. Mike Florio then reported that they've been talking about trading Trey Lance since February at the Combine with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, your reaction when you saw all this? So you, you say they've been talking about trading Trey Lance to the Minnesota Vikings? Is that what you just said? Remember yes. my little prediction that Kirk Cousins would be starting for the 49ers this year? This year was your prediction. Okay, see, yeah. I've said I wouldn't be shocked at all if it's next year when he's a free agent. Uh, it very well could happen. I mean, Ian Rappaport said he wouldn't be surprised if Trey Lance got traded in a few months. Well, what happens in a few months, Michelle? Brock Purdy begins throwing again. In June, he's supposed to begin throwing again. So, maybe. Do the Niners make the move then? I guess they do seem all in on Brock Purdy. So, trading for Kirk cousins wouldn't make sense all that much but i mean if they're if they're going to trade trey lance to minnesota you would think that kyle shanahan would want to get his man right well here's the thing brock purdy said to yahoo and there was some there was some ambiguity with this because i didn't hear the audio recording until yesterday i only saw the quote which yahoo had split up the quote and they made it in a really awkward way and they didn't have to do that because i've since heard the audio i posted the audio it's on the feed if you want to go and find it brock purdy was asked do you have any sense if you can return in the regular season this year and his exact response was um i'm not really sure honestly um you know i think i just gotta t i just gotta take it one day at a time get healthy start throwing again things like that and um and then just go from there but you know um it's all gonna work out how it needs to so he literally has said he doesn't know if he's gonna come back at all this year so if there's a legitimate chance that he's not going to be able to come back at all or, you know, maybe till December or something like that, then maybe the 49ers do trade Trey Lance to get Kirk Cousins, right? That would make a lot more sense. 
if we have to watch Sam Darnold for even <laughs> a few games, even half a season, I I don't know how to root for a team that has Sam Darnold starting. I don't know why I hate this man so much. He does nothing wrong. I mean, he plays the game wrong, and he's a terrible quarterback. Right. But as a person, he seems completely fine. He seems like a really nice guy, actually. Yeah. He does, but I can't root for him. I think I don't know why. I, I don't understand, so it's going to be really he's hard. he's terrible and doesn't deserve another chance to be a starting quarterback. Yes, and he doesn't deserve to get recognition for winning games if he ends up winning some games with the 49ers. Like, no, you stink. <laughs> you stink. Just, and you just stink. But yeah. so I hope it's either Trey Lance or, you know, they make a trade and it's Kirk Cousins or Lamar Jackson. But it does seem like they want to go on the cheap side of quarterback. And it does seem like they're all in on Brock Purdy. It just comes down to Brock Purdy's health. I so you think if they trade Lance, it won't be until after long after the draft. That's what Ian Rappaport said. He said in a few months from now, he wouldn't be surprised if someone gave the Niners what they wanted. Because think of it too, right? If Brock is throwing again and he looks good, the Niners asking price for Trey Lance will probably go down because, you know, he's more of a luxury at that point than someone they absolutely have to have. I think right now the Niners probably look at it as like, look, we don't know what the hell is going on with Brock, but if you offered us three first round picks for Trey Lance, of course we would do it, you know? So like their asking price now I think is higher than it would be in June if Brock is progressing the way that they hope that he progresses. I don't even think it would take, I think one first round pick, they'd be like, okay, let's do it. Right. But that, you know what I'm saying? Their, their yeah. asking price now would be super high as opposed to later. See, my thing though is will teams like what are teams doing if they're waiting that long to figure out what their quarterback situation is like right. are there really teams sitting there in july being like oh we still don't know who our quarterback is let us go trade for one like unless there's a huge injury to someone in august like that doesn't seem i i would think there it would be someone in the draft like the texans who are looking at okay do i take a cj stroud who i don't maybe they don't love they really wanted bryce young if he goes first or well, like maybe they're not in love with Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or CJ Stroud. Let's take the top tier defender. And right. then with our next pick, either we could do something with that or we trade our second, our early second round pick for Trey Lance. Like you think they'd want to figure it out now. They can't just be like, okay, Davis Mills is our guy. And then be in July and still only have Davis Mills. Like they need a, or like the Titans, they need to know if they're moving on from Ryan Tannehill or not. Are they cutting him in June to save that money? But they need another quarterback. They can't just be like, well, we got Malik Willis, who was so incredibly bad as a rookie last year. We're just going to go into the season with that. They need to figure it out before the 49ers know anything about Brock Purdy's health. Maybe, or maybe the Texans are like, we're going to suck no matter what. So we can wait. Great. We'll go into the season with Davis Mills. We're not going to be any good anyway. Do you think teams think that, though? I know we think that way, but do you think teams think that way? Like, oh, we're going to suck anyway, so who cares? Yeah, I think they do. Mm, I don't think they do. I think year one of a new regime like they have in Houston, I think they know you've got a grace period. Unless you're, like, winless, you're not going to get fired after one year. Or You know, I mean, the chances of that are pretty low. And so, I don't know. I think that they would be willing to wait, but we'll see. But, uh, yeah, that, that's what dominated. And I said, because Trey's at the facility this week working out for off-season workouts, I said, then that had to be awkward for him to be at the facility. All of a sudden, everybody's phone blows up, and they're like, dude, are, we sh are you going to get traded? Are we shopping you? And all of a sudden, all the same people who were shedding tears for Jimmy Garoppolo because of how awkward it had to be and how much 
personal struggle he had to go through and how terrible it must have been for Jimmy Garoppolo. Nobody shed any tears for Trey Lance. Every response I got was, what are you talking about? He's a grown man. He's a rich athlete in his 20s. He's going to be just fine. He talks to Kyle Shanahan all the time. But there was none of that same energy for Trey Lance. Shocking, I know. I don't know how anyone would say it wouldn't be awkward. Just like they're still human beings. Just because you're good at a sport and you got some money doesn't mean you don't have the same exact feelings as us normal human beings. Like that would be awkward. Just think about it in your own personal situation. If you're at work (laughs) and your whole entire company got the email at the same time and you're just learning about this too. And it says like, oh, we're thinking about sending Michelle Majuk to this different location, even if you don't mind, even if you're like, oh, okay, cool. That could be a good location. But like, you're like, well, I have friends here. I know this place. And then it's also just super awkward for everyone to get it at the same time. Like you have to, I understand their lives are so different than ours, but they're still human beings with the same exact feelings. And then also like he is still, what is he even 23 yet? He's 23. Exactly. I think. Right. That is uh, different. I don't know if it's exactly. Then Jimmy Garoppolo going through this in his high 20s and early 30s. I don't know their ages. I'm not even going to lie. Trey's going to turn 23 okay. on May 9th. So pretty soon. Okay. So he's 22 years old and Jimmy Garoppolo is in his 30s, right? Yes. It's very different. When I was in my young 20s, you're like, you feel things differently. Like you're just a different, again, you're a different person. You're a different human being. You everything affects you differently than your confidence you have in your thirties. It's completely different. Like there's things that could, you just roll off your body. Now that I'm 31 that like do not stick my brain when I was 22, that would have like eaten me alive. You know, like there's just, it's completely different being young twenties and young thirties. It's a completely different timetable here for these guys. So comparing them doesn't really make sense. And also Jimmy Garoppolo had how many years to prove himself in the NFL and he knew he was going to get another job, a starting gig. And that's not the case with Trey Lance right now. He's never gotten a chance. They're not comparable situations. Even if he did know that they were talking about trading him, because everyone's like, oh, they, he talks with Kyle every single day. Okay. But did everybody else know that? So when their phones started blowing up and they started seeing it, I'm sure someone went up to Trey and was like, is this true? What What's going on? What do you know? That's an awkward situation. And I wasn't shedding any tears, but I just pointed out it was probably a weird day for Trey Lance. And got, nobody wanted to hear it. But also, I'm so sick of people being like, oh, they definitely talked to him about this. I mean, how many times have we heard veterans that have been with teams for so long being like, I learned I got cut from Twitter. Like Bobby Wagner, who was with the team, was was with the Seahawks for a decade. And then (laughs) he learned that he got cut, which this is what he said, off Twitter. So these guys don't always get to talk to the coaches. They're not, their management's not always up front with these players. It is just a business to them, and they don't always treat these guys like actual human beings, unfortunately. And you don't know if they talk to him or not about this. Oh, no, Michelle. Not the 49ers. Not Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. They're super – nobody wants to believe this stuff about their own team. It's like, oh, my God. I think it's an awkward situation, and there could potentially be another awkward situation coming up on Monday when the 49ers have their pre-draft media session. The Niners announced – I think yesterday that John Lynch is going to speak at noon Pacific time on Monday. And after he speaks, according to the press release that they sent me quote, select players will be available to the media. And this could be just my stupid thing that stats is stuck on. And you may laugh at me. I'm fascinated 
by who speaks to the media because it doesn't happen by accident, right? They're not putting the names into a hat and choosing at random. They are specifically picking people they want to speak to the media. So what do they do with the quarterbacks? You would think that one quarterback would speak, right? Is it Purdy? Because he's going to be there. And he's, despite the fact that his elbow might look like a piece of spaghetti right now, it he's perfectly capable of speaking behind a microphone. Could it be him? Could it be Trey? Is it Darnold? Is it none of them? I'm fascinated by who they let speak. You would think it would be Brock, right? If it's Sam Darnold, I think that speaks volumes about what is happening with Trey Lance. If it's none of them, that's also interesting. Yes. Then, so there is a lot of interest. I think if Brock Purdy goes up there and speaks, so that kind of just like, that's not so interesting. It's just like, okay, yeah, they've been backing Brock Purdy this whole offseason. That's their guy. He's clearly the quarterback one, even though he's dealing so many quarterbacks who are dealing with injuries that are starters. They get interviewed through the offseason. It's not like you can't, you know, you can't, you can still talk to the media when you're injured. So mm-hmm. if Tom Brady was dealing with an injury, he would still be talking. It wouldn't be the backup talking, you know? So if it's Brock Purdy, then that also just more clarifies that this is our quarterback moving forward and would make you even feel better that he will hopefully be healthy soon. That's the easiest, smartest thing to do for the 49ers, right? But they don't ever do the easiest, smartest. I was just going to say, they never do that, Michelle. They're way more likely to let all the quarterbacks talk or none of the quarterbacks or just Trey. Like it's not going to be just Brock because that would be the easy simple thing where they could be like, he's a presumed starter. Here he is. And there you go. I bet you they won't do that. Uh, If I had a bet, I think it would go zero quarterbacks. Yep. Probably. Yeah, I agree. It's just going to be like George Kittle, Nick Bosa, maybe like Fred Warner, like all the big named like veterans. The talkers. That are safe, you know? Yep. It's going to be George for sure. hundred percent. Probably Fred Warner would be there. Uh, Juice is a great talker. Maybe they'll let Juice talk. I bet you they don't let Ayuk talk, right? They don't want him talking about potentially getting traded. They're not going to let him talk. I bet you they're not going to let, uh, I don't think they're going to let any of the quarterbacks talk. They could frankly. do Christian McCaffrey. He seems happy. Yep, they could do CMC. I'm, I'm fascinated by who they pick. And then of course, depending on who they pick the questions, like if they let one of the quarterbacks talk, there are so many questions that you could ask them about like so many. I don't think they're going to let Trey talk because it's, I agree. It's going to be too much for him and they shouldn't let him talk this. That would make no sense to let him go up there and talk and have to handle these questions. He's not going to know how to answer. I mean, he doesn't know the answers. Nobody does. Like I'm sure the team doesn't even know what they're doing at this point. Like they have no idea. So, and then if you have Sam Darnold talk and not Trey, that's just a real bad sign for Trey. Yep. So I, I think you just have Brock Purdy up there. And what what are they going to ask him? They can't ask about Trey. They could, I guess, Trey Lance getting traded. Oh, my God. What? He's not going to give an answer. He's just going to say, I know nothing. They're, like, you're not going to get anything out of him. You're going to ask him, one, is there a chance you missed the regular season? That's the first question you got to ask him, especially after this Yahoo thing. Will people ask that, though? Do you have confidence that people will ask no. good questions? No, because the 49ers don't have a press corps. They have an extra PR department. So, no, they're not going to ask it, but they absolutely should. One, is there a chance you missed the season? Two, are the 49ers pressuring you to come back to play early? You know, do they? what's their time frame for you to come back and play? Three, do you think you should be the starter regardless of what happens with anybody else while you're gone? You got to ask him that, too, right? There's a ton of questions you could ask Brock Purdy. 
And I don't know that they're going to put them out there because I agree with you. I don't think they want those guys to be asked those questions. It will be interesting. What time on Monday? What time have you got? Because so, I'm going to be watching. Lynch speaks at noon Pacific, three Eastern, and then players are going to go after him. And they they don't they don't know how long Lynch Lynch will probably talk for half hour, twenty minutes, something like that, and then players go on. But so you're I'm not going to get on in there and start asking questions. There's no conference call. Otherwise, I absolutely would have. They're not. It's not possible. I'm not going to be in California on Monday, so unfortunately. But I would love to do that. But don't worry. I will put up my list of questions on Monday, as I always do before 49ers press conferences. And I, I'm texting Grant Cohn. Here's all questions you should ask. Like, I, cause I, they need to be asked. So he's Grant might ask. Might ask Grant might, might ask. But he's only going to get one. And that's the thing. If you really want to get information, they have to work together. Cause the best info you get always comes from follow-up questions. And it's hard to do that because you usually only get like one or two questions in a press conference. I do think the question about, do you think there's a chance you can miss the whole season would be mm -hmm. the best one to ask. I don't think the question, like, I don't think it's worth wasting a question on are the 49ers pressuring you to come back. He's never going to answer that. Honestly, even if they were, he's just never That's going fair. to do that because That's fair. he's too young and he's not going to start with his, this <laughs> team that's giving him the starting job. Like that's a waste of a question. He's just going to, even if they were, if he did feel pressure, he's never going to answer that, honestly. But if he's already said in an interview, which I have not listened to, by the way, so I need to go listen to that, that there is a chance he could miss some of the season or even the full thing. I think that is a question you should ask him just to get more clarity and even say, yes. like, I, I, I heard this answer, blah, 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 from this interview. Can you elaborate on that? Or like is or clear it up? Yeah, or, yeah exactly. Up, yeah. You don't have to try and like make it a gotcha question. You could just yeah. say, look. A lot of people weren't sure, so we want to give you the opportunity to make sure we are accurate with what we said. I think that's totally fair. And maybe he didn't answer the question the way he would have liked to. Maybe he didn't realize how his response would be construed. So I think it's totally fair to give him another chance to say that. And if Lance gets up there, I mean, oh, my God, I would pay a significant amount of money, even unemployed as I am. I would pay a significant amount of money to get 10 minutes with Trey Lance and just ask him questions. Oh my God, the questions. Oh, he wouldn't answer them though. He's not going to answer them. Trey, what has Kyle told you about your future with this team? Did they tell you you were shopping? They were shopping you before the reports came out. Do you think if you ball out in the, however many games it is that you deserve to be the starter over Brock Purdy, have they told you that there's any chance that you could be the starter over Brock? There's so many things to talk <laughs> to him about. Oh, I, this is what I would prefer. I would prefer the 49ers keep him, let him start the season, give him at least four games, let Brock Purdy get fully healthy before you even think about bringing him back. And if Trey Lance is proving that he looks like the third overall pick that you took, keep giving him time and then keep allowing the longer you let Brock heal, the better it will be for him. So if Trey Lance is doing his thing, that's not saying we've given up on Brock Purdy and he's not going to be the guy at some point. Again, it's just saying there's no reason to rush him back. Let's see what Trey can do. And then maybe after the season, you have two great quarterbacks and you can actually trade Trey Lance for <laughs> a lot of pieces or Brock. Like you can decide then, but I don't, if he ends up getting traded this year, I I'm rooting for that kid. Like if he goes to the Titans, I, I hope he does great. If he goes to Houston, I mean, that's a terrible situation. <laughs> so that kind of sucks for him, 
but right. like but i'll be rooting for hopefully him. balls out because he's never been given a shot he's never been given he's never i agree uh one thing brock did say also in that interview was that the the plan that that he has and that the niners have uh is that it's not just about returning to play it's about returning to play in the right manner was the actual phrase that he used which is good because it's not just about returning to play it's about returning to performance as stefania bell told steph sanchez that is the key thing not just when can you come back but when can you come back and play like you did before you got hurt because simply coming back is not there's not a lot of value in that if you're not any good and so what i what i hope is that brock like you were saying does what's best for him because the team is going to do what's best for them. And those two things are not always aligned. The team is not Brock's friend. They are his employer. There is a difference there. Employers do not care about their employees the way employees care about themselves. And so I hope that Brock recognizes that because this is his career we're talking about. This is his window to earn potentially millions of dollars. And he has to protect that at all costs. Yeah, and I'm just thinking about what a disaster it could be if he did come back week one. Like if they just oh. rushed him back that fast. A, he wouldn't have had the offseason to improve from year one to year two. The team mm-hmm. that they're playing against now has all this tape on Brock Purdy and they get all this time to prep on him, which teams did not have last year. I mean, you just, you know, you, you're going through the season quickly. And yep. then he comes back again without any of this prep time, no time to get to grow from last year from the tape that you showed to actually get better on that. And then you're just thrown out there with uh, you don't even know what type of elbow and that it, that could all get in your head, right? If he comes back and it's a disastrous game and that's how it starts and please don't rush him back. Cause I loved watching Brock Purdy last year. I was a huge fan. And if he is their quarterback moving forward over Trey fine, but just make sure he comes back fully healthy and ready to go. And he can still throw with velocity and like he never had a huge arm to begin with, but whatever he had last year was fine. He just needs to be back to that at least. And he just, just don't, don't rush him back. It's another test of can the 49ers handle this position properly. I don't think that they've shown that they have thus far, but this is a chance to show and to do it right and to take care of Brock and to take care of your team. You don't want a quarterback out there that is not fully healed. We're talking about an injury to his throwing arm, right? If it was if it was his other arm and his other shoulder and you were like, hey, we'll take the risk that he doesn't bang it up, whatever, that would be at least more understandable than it would be to say, you got to get out there right now. Go, 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 go. I know it's your throwing arm. It's your elbow. Only one other NFL quarterback has ever had this injury in the history of the freaking league. But go, go, go. We need you out there week one. Like, no, do not do that. That is the worst thing that you can do. And hopefully Brock recognizes that. And at least it sounds so far like he does, which is good. Especially when it's on a Thursday night football week one opening game against the Eagles in Philadelphia. If the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I think it would have been. Oh, yeah, they didn't win the Super Bowl. That was stupid. Sunday night football in Philadelphia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it, it honestly could be. I mean that game especially if it's him right if it's trey starting there's still a lot of juice in that game because they did lose but if it's brock if it's literally the guy that was starting against them last year in the nfc championship game where all the 49ers did during super bowl media week was talk about how the game would have gone differently if brock hadn't gotten hurt like that would have been a massive massive way to start the season but of course the eagles didn't win the super bowl and now we don't know about brock but uh yeah that i think that would have happened if everything had gone differently. It's going to be a fun game. 
Oh, yeah, it is. All right, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about some draft needs because the draft will have gone on. We'll have started the next time we meet. We talked about tight ends last week, so we'll talk about some draft needs when we return. Back here on the Gold Diggers podcast. All right, Michelle, draft needs for the 49ers. They don't have many huge gaping, oh, my God, I'm up at night worried about these draft needs, but they do have positions they need to fill. What do you think is their biggest draft need? I mean, it's definitely safety or defensive back, right? Especially safety here with uh, Gibson being uh, an old, old man and not very fast. And he lucked into a lot of interceptions last year. And I think that's why they resigned him. But interceptions are so up and down, especially Mm -hmm. if you're not like, he's never been like this, like big creator throughout his whole career. It was just a lot of balls went his way and he got some nice yep. little tipped balls for interceptions. And he is just getting really, really old. And then Hufanga who looked great for half of the year and then okay. The second half of the year, I, I just think you definitely more need more depth there. There's nobody behind those two. You need a safety. And then with corner, yes, Ward is fantastic, but you need more depth there because I just don't think Ambry Thomas, Diamador, Lenore, like they're just not really it for the Samuel Womack to. Yeah. Only this is my issue with the 49ers. They need to do better at drafting last year. Like I get, they have a lot of veterans, right? So it's going to be hard for rookies to get on the field too much, but only two of their nine picks started more than one game last year. And one of those being Brock Purdy because two quarterbacks got injured And then Burford, right? He started 16 games. Correct. Like they just lit their third round picks on fire with Ty Davis Price and Danny (laughs) Danny Gray. And like you knew they lit the Ty Davis Price pick on fire when it happened. And instead of proving us wrong, they just completely proved us right. It was like, nah, we're not going to use them no matter what. Like why are they lighting these third round picks on fire? They did it the year before with Trey Sermon. They've done it with their last two first round picks that they have had with Trey Lance and Javon Kinlaw. It's like, we, they, they need to uh, start hitting on some picks. Here. Well, Kinlaw played. It's not they about didn't play. He sucked. Well, yeah. So, the, well, but these are two different things, right? The Niners do have a habit of almost like red shirting people, right? We saw with Aaron Banks, second round pick. He dressed for like one game his rookie year. And then last year he came back and he was a starter for pretty much every single week. So that's like a separate issue rather than playing and not being any good or not being good enough in the case of Kinlaw. Um, But I would like to see them actually get more playing time out of players in their rookie year, because it's like we've seen in the NFL rookies have make significant contributions their first year in the league. The Niners seem so hesitant to do that. And so, yeah, you would like to see that. And hopefully this year we do see Danny Gray get on the field and Ty Davis price get on the field. Supposedly they like Ty Davis price more than they like Trey Sermon. So we'll see, but yeah. Okay. But they, they also loved Trey Sermon right before they traded him. Like John Lynch came out and was like, Trey Sermon got so much better this offseason. He's looking like, he's looking mm-hmm. like a stud. And then he was cut like one second later. Yeah, they traded up for Trey Sermon, too. That was ugly. Um, but uh, going back to your original point about defensive backs, they it's undeniable, both at corner and at safety. There's just no depth behind Diamondor Lenore. It's, you know, they have Isaiah Oliver, who they're bringing in to be their nickel. Okay, 
but there's definitely room to improve there. And when it comes to safety, Michelle, they just seem like they do not give a crap about the safety position. Uh, Hufonga was a fifth round pick, I believe, right? Fifth or sixth. I can't remember off the top of my head uh, which one it actually was. Fifth. Yeah. Like they don't invest early in safeties at all. They haven't at all. And it's time now. Deshaun Gibson is older. Uh, You need that spot. Tarverius Moore was the highest drafted safety under Lynch. So since 2017, that was the 95th overall pick, third round 2018. He was the highest safety drafted by Lynch. And it's important. It's an important position. You got to have flexibility. You got to be able to cover receivers. You got to be able to cover tight ends. You need somebody there that you can rely on. And let's just be honest. You're more likely to find that guy in the early rounds, statistically speaking, anyway, not maybe specifically about the 49ers because they seem to be really good at finding guys in the later rounds. Yeah, this class isn't great with safeties, uh, even at the top. So I don't know if this is really going to be the draft. They they find anyone, but they definitely need to draft, I think, a couple bodies as defensive backs. It doesn't mean they're going to hit, but you need to start. You, you need some depth here, so you need to try. I think they need to draft at least two defensive backs in this class with all their picks. And then also, I would say wide receiver. Like, I know they took Danny Gray last year. We'll see mm. if he can get on the field. But you don't know if you're going to be able to pay Brandon Ayuk. You don't know how long you're going to keep Debo Samuel. And even after that, like, it, it gets pretty thin. So I would say try again at wide receiver in the third round. And then also with a sixth or seventh round pick, like, take a couple uh, bodies at wide receiver, too. You can never have too many wide receivers. And – there's a lot of there's a lot of speedsters in this class. Like, give Danny Gray some competition. Don't just be like, okay, well, we took you last year. You're fast. You didn't get on the field, but now this year you'll have, you know, your chance. No, get some bodies in there and see who's the best of the best, and then they can get some playing time. The thing about Danny Gray that scares me is he barely played and he was hurt all the time. All the time, this guy got hurt. Like, wh- how are you getting injured? You're not even playing. But it was always like a <laughs> hamstring or a quad or so that scares me, especially with a guy whose whole, you know, biggest attribute is speed. Well, if you, if you can't play without pulling a muscle, like what the hell? That doesn't do anybody any good. So I'm I'm on board with you. Ray Ray McLeod, Danny Gray, Tay Martin, uh, Chris Conley, who they just signed. These are nothing. Go get somebody. Bring somebody else in. I would love Marvin Mims to fall to the uh, end of the third. Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. He ran a 4-3-8-40, 39 and a half vertical. Now, he did not participate in the short shuttle. So I know that's like the 49ers telling from the article you sent me. Who who wrote that? You can call that out. I think it was Jordan Elliott uh, from Niners Nation. Really good article about like what statistically seems to matter to the 49ers. Uh, you should go. You know, I'm loath to promote Niners Nation after what happened, but it is a good article. But Marvin Mims averaged 20 yards per reception in 2022, six in the FBS, and then averaged 22 yards per reception in 2021. He led Oklahoma with over a thousand receiving yards last year. I think he would bring, like, he would be a, such an upgrade to a Danny Gray. And then also would, like, I think he has ability to be a really just good over all around wide receiver. He is on the smaller side, but I really like Marvin Mims and I do think he falls to the third round or he could, I just don't know how far into the third round, but he is an option for them there. Uh, so that's a guy I'll be keeping an eye on. And then also I'm going to try to say his name, right? This, I just got into this guy. All right. Andre 
Yoshivas. Shivas. Andre Yoshivas from Princeton. 412 Ooh. short shuttle. So he fits the whole 49ers uh, research there with the guys they take in the short shuttle. 6'3, 205 pounds, 39 inch vert. Now he has around four to five projections. So he's definitely in the range. He was first team all Ivy League, led Princeton with 943 receiving yards, seven touchdowns, and averaged 17 yards per reception in 2021. I like him. That's Man. that's my guy I'm looking at in the fourth round. So that's interesting to me because I am going to speak with Ross Tucker next week, uh, who went to Princeton. So I will Ooh. ask him about this because I'm sure he's going to be pumped up about a fellow Princeton alumnus. Uh, so I'm all down for that. Uh, and I kind of like your strategy too. like take multiple wide receivers and then just let them fight it out in training camp and cut the ones that suck and keep the ones that are good. And by the way, I just want to mention again, almost all of these guys that are picked on every team are going to suck. There's only a handful of good players that come out of every draft and nobody wants to admit it right now. Nobody wants to talk about it because the draft is fun and it's all about hope. And I get that, but take a step back and let's also acknowledge that most of these guys are going to suck and that's okay. Yeah. Going through all the first round picks for each team. I had to do it for every single team over like the last 10 years. It's like, well, every team is, it seems like every team is pretty bad at drafting because yeah. there's so many first round <laughs> picks that are like no longer in the league or onto like their third, fourth team or definitely off the team that drafted them. And it's like, it's only been since 2018 or something even. It's like, do you know that the Raiders have had six first round picks since 2019 and only one of them remain on the team? Josh Jacobs on a franchise tag too. They would not even have him much longer. Like that, that's unfortunate. That's bad drafting. But there's one more guy I'm kind of hoping for, for wide receiver for the 49ers. Can I say him? Yeah, of course. Charlie Jones. So he's this white dude. All right. <laughs> wait, 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 why'd you say it like that? Because he's probably not going to be very good. But Charlie Jones from <laughs> Purdue, he's a little guy, five, not, not little short. He's five eleven, three eighths. That's a fine height, but 175 pounds, four, one, five short shuttle. So fast four, four, three, 40 yard dash. He led the FBS with 110 receptions in 2022 had 1,361 receiving yards, 12 receiving touchdowns in 13 games. Had eight games with 100-plus receiving yards, led the FBS, 22 contested catches, led the FBS, and was returned specialist of the year in 2021 when he played with Iowa. He's around 4-5 projection, probably because it took him five years to break out. <laughs> That's a long <laughs> time. And also, he's a 175-pound white dude. But he could be like a little, a little Cooper Cup. How dare you? Cooper Cup. Throw that out there. Oh, he's a little white guy. No, Cooper Cup is a thing that exists, right? I mean, damn. Well, Cooper, uh, but Cooper Cup is not little. True. Uh, you're going to make Levin very happy, by the way. We're going with a Purdue wide yeah. receiver. Did, did he, uh, can he talk about his creepy quarterback? Can you ask him about that next time? Why his quarterback's so creepy? Aiden yeah. O'Connell. I, I hope know. people we went and looked at his picture. The mustache is not doing him any favors. <laughs> Uh, just looking at Dane Brugler's draft guide, it says overall Jones doesn't have the twitch or play strength to easily uncover outside the numbers, but his crafty speed, well, he's white, so he's got to have crafty <laughs> speed. Uh, his crafty speed and ball skills will help him find a role in the NFL. He also has the skills to readily factor in the return game. 
I just love it with white wide receivers. They're not fast or strong, but they're crafty. What is crafty? That means nobody thinks this guy is any fast because he's white, and so he surprises people. That's essentially what he's saying, right? But being able to, you know, put up 110 receptions no matter no matter what and lead the FBS in 13 games, like that's that's impressive. And I do think he's just a guy to keep an eye on, and he could be like a good little reliable slot wide receiver, which I do think the 49ers could use, even though I guess they already have their good little white reliable receiver in Christian McCaffrey, but you could use multiple. They kind of do use McCaffrey a lot like that on third down as they should, by the way, because he's awesome at it. But again, like is Christian McCaffrey going to play every game next year? Like, no, you want, you know, we always talk about uh, positional flexibility and positionless football with the Niners. Why wouldn't you want to have somebody that if McCaffrey does go down, you can use in the slot in that kind of jitterbug receiver type position so that it doesn't always have to be poor Jawan Jennings, who you also hate. He just, I don't hate him. He's just, you meh. hate him. He's just, what do you mean he's meh? meh. He's a third down specialist. There's nothing meh. wrong with that. That's exactly want, what this guy would be. I want two of these guys. I want them to draft two of these guys. And it could be a six round pick looking at Xavier Gibson out of Stephen F. Austin. Another guy I really like 407 short shuttle. He's like a round seven projection. Take him late. He was, uh, he, he played in the FCS and he was the Western athletic conference offensive player of the year which I feel like you have to be like really great out of the FCS to be able to like be right. considered drafted, but 1,377 yards in 2021, 14 touchdowns, 1163 yards, seven touchdowns in 11 games in 2022. Um, he's just a guy to keep an eye on as well late in the draft, but just draft multiple of these wide receivers load up and l- yep. Load up and let them battle it out. I totally agree with you. Um, I've got to go to right tackle. Because I think that is a clear need for the 49ers. Even if you're confident that Colton McKivitz can play good enough this year, he's not your long-term answer there by any stretch of the imagination. I think he'll actually probably be better in pass protection than McGlinchey was, or at least more consistent. But I don't think he's going to be as good of a run blocker as McGlinchey was. So to me, they have to find a right tackle somewhere. Yeah, they brought in Matt Pryor. Mm -hmm. I guess he's been playing left tackle. But do you think they brought him in for like right tackle depth? Yeah, I think I think that they are kind of doing what we said at wide receiver at right tackle, right? Just bring in a bunch of guys that we think could essentially be good enough and let them fight it out, and which is what they should do. Um, I think if I remember correctly, Pryor is a huge dude. Like physically, he's very imposing. I could be wrong about that, but if I remember right, he's like a massive guy. So maybe they just figure like this dude's a mountain, and he's six seven three thirty. So. Damn. Yeah, he's off to a good start. So, you know, I think that maybe they think he's got the physical skills and they'll see if they could, you know, sort of mold him in their system. I will say, I know for whatever reason you, and it just seems like all of Niners Nation, they feel super comfortable with Burford and Aaron Banks as your starters. That's fine, but there's nothing behind them. And what if Spencer Burford doesn't take the next step forward? What if one of these guys gets hurt? Like you need more depth. I'm not saying you have to spend one of your third round picks on a guard or anything, but you need to bring in more bodies at guard. And I mean, PFF thinks they stunk. So I don't, I don't know where to go from there, but I, I think like, yeah, you keep building Aaron Banks. He was a second round pick and he, I think he's the more safe 
guy than Spencer Burford. But again, if one of them were to go down, you have nothing. You have nothing behind them at all. And then you also have no competition for them either. Like what's pushing them to like go as hard as possible to keep their job when there's no competition, you need to bring in uh, some guys to compete with them. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I am surprised that like the eye test and the PFF grades on the guards were so different, but that doesn't mean my eye test is correct. Uh, it's possible that they were not as good as they looked and the Niners were able to navigate and work around it also. Uh, so more competition there is great. And you're right. They absolutely need depth because I mean, Burford wasn't even a full-time player last year. He split reps at right guard with Daniel Brunskill. So, you know, even just asking him to be able to play full-time is, is bigger than what he handled last year. So I, I'm on board with more guards. It's not a sexy pick and, and fans don't get pumped up about it, especially when you're waiting a hundred picks to get your first guy, right? If it's a guard, you're like, Ugh. It's just kind of like, okay, fine. It's like getting your teeth cleaned at the dentist. You know you got to do it, but nobody enjoys it. Yeah, hopefully their first pick's not a guard. That would be very boring. Like, we need it to be a tight end, wide receiver, safety, like something fun, you know? Well, it's it's important, but it's just, yeah, it's not as fun. Like, they show the guard highlights when they make the pick, and you're like, ooh, look at the way he stayed in between the defender and the ball carrier. Oh, man, that really gets my juices flowing. You know, that's not the typical response when you're watching somebody. Um, did you have tight end on your list of draft needs, or do you think it's just kind of like a more a luxury thing, uh, luxury pick than anything else? Yeah, I just think it's luxury, unless somehow Sam Laporta's sitting there in, at the third round, or if they wanted to move up a little bit for him. But I, I don't think you need to just take a tight end just to take one like you still have like George Kittle is one of the best tight ends in the league so it's not a need like maybe yeah some backups uh, a backup would be nice but they already have a couple backups that's reliable enough as backups now if they ever had to be a starter that would be a whole other issue but like I don't I get where you're coming from it would be nice to have the option to move on from Kittle next year instead of paying him all that money. So if you took a rookie this year that ended up breaking out and showing promise, like it gives you that flexibility, but the team does have way bigger needs than tight end right at this moment. So George Kittle has not been a bastion of health over his career. He's missed time uh, pretty consistently yet. Despite that, the Niners backup tight ends have combined combined for 16 catches over the past two years. So they have nothing behind George Kittle. And I just want to point out, once again, everyone thinks I'm crazy. Matt Barrows in The Athletic was specifically asked about George Kittle possibly being gone in 2024. And Matt Barrows, who covers the team and has forever, says, quote, it is not crazy, especially considering the tight end talent in this year's draft and the fact that Kittle's dead money hit is relatively small next year. I suppose his 2023 season, when he'll turn 30 in October, will largely answer this question. So get mad at Matt Barrows, George. Go ahead, quote tweet it. Where are you, George? Everyone You're who came so in bitter said, about that tweet. <laughs> yeah, because it's a perfectly logical thing to say and think, and now team beat writers are reporting it as fact. So I want people to come at them with the same energy they came at me with. Damn it. You are you and uh, George Kittle need to get in the ring and just fight it out. Oh, yeah, that would go well for me. He's way bigger in person, by the way, than he looks on TV. 
He's huge in person. I remember seeing him at the Super Bowl one year when I was with NBC, and I was like, my God. Like, he's way more physically imposing than he looks. He would, How many uh... – if he had to slap you, right? How many slaps would it take to knock you out? One. Are you serious? I might just go He's down. He's not allowed to make a even... fist. He's not allowed to make One. a fist. It has to be a slap. No, no doubt in my mind. One. Easily. Like, I'd probably just go down in a heap before he even made contact. He's a huge guy, and I'm 140 pounds. Are you serious? I think you could take one slap. I think it would take two slaps to knock you out. I think the first one would get you like, you know, woozy. And then the second one would just do you in. No, I think he would absolutely obliterate me. How many slaps would it take from me to knock you out? <laughs> two. Two. Oh my <laughs> yeah, God. You're probably. not giving yourself enough credit. Look, I, I am what I am. All right. I know what I am. I do a lot of things well, but I do a lot of things poorly too. And Standing up. If in a I fight. can knock you out in two slaps, you need to um, you need to work on yourself. I, what do you want me to do? This is the <laughs> body that that I was given. I don't know. Um, uh, I think it's it's more important than some would say. Even with Kittle there, um, I think that they ideally they want to squeeze him to take less money. He talked about it with Mike Silver before last year. Um, I think it's a real thing for them. Plus, I also think that they have always wanted to do more two tight end stuff. I think that Kyle has just always wanted to do it because it's so it's again, it goes back to the flexibility, right? If you've got two really good tight ends that can both block and are both legitimate receiving threats, the defense has no freaking clue what you're going to do when you line up in that formation. You're just as likely to run as pass. That's chaos for Kyle. He loves inflicting chaos on a defense. So I think it's something they really wanted to do. And Jordan Reed was like, they, they really wanted to do it with Jordan Reed. I finally remembered his name. And thanks to everybody that sent it to me after the episode. Um, so if there is a Laporta or a Brenton Strange, I know he's been getting a lot of love from some of the 49ers media guys lately. I think they do make the pick. And I kind of hope they do. Because like you said, it's, it's a sexier position to draft. Yeah. And if they don't get Laporta, wait till the fifth round to take Josh Wiley out of Cincinnati. Okay. I'm fine. Anybody. Look, let's be real. Like, isn't part of how we feel about a team's draft afterwards, how many people we can Google and YouTube the highlights of afterwards? It's more fun to do that, right? Oh, we got we got Josh Wiley. Let me just type it in. Okay, first, let me learn how to spell his last name. And I type it in. Okay. And then we watch, and they got the music behind it, and these trucking dudes or whatever. Like, that. that's part of it. The immediate reaction to the draft anyway. Are you nervous about the Seahawks having two first-round picks after they well outperformed what they were supposed to do last year? And they, I mean, the 49ers beat them all three times. Was it all three times? Yeah. All three. They all kicked three the tar out of them. Yeah. 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 I, I didn't remember if they won both in the regular season, but, um, is there any, like, I guess, is there anything they could draft where you'd be like, ah, crap. Nope. Cause I don't know about any of these players. Every pick they make could be horrible. And yeah, it's great that they have more chances, you know, to, to get it right. But I've seen a lot of horrible Seahawks draft picks. In fact, before last year, a lot of their draft classes were absolute crap. What if they, they got Jalen Carter? Job, because he could fall to pick, what are they, five or six? He could definitely fall. And that would be, he's the, he was the number one prospect in this class overall, even over Bryce Young, the quarterback, before his incident. That scary a little bit that you could have another Aaron Donald type or another defensive tackle that just like destroys, you know, the offensive line. No, because even if he's as good as Aaron Donald, the one thing Kyle Shanahan has been able to neutralize Aaron Donald. 
like with Daniel Brunskill. So I'm not, uh, I'm not, I mean, of course the, the chances that they get good players are high with the more picks that they have. And if Carter falls, that would make you, you know, something to keep an eye on. But like, again, all these players could suck. So I'm not going to get nervous in April about who the Seahawks or the Rams or the Cardinals draft because they all may be terrible. And so why am I worrying about this right now? Go ahead, Seattle. Go nuts. Win the draft. Win the draft grades afterwards. And everyone could talk about the big, bad Seahawks are coming. But at the end of the day, you still got Pete Carroll there. You still got Geno Smith there. Bring it on. I will ask you all to be thinking about me on day one of the draft because, you know, my favorite team, the Steelers, they do have a pick. And I really, really, really want them to take Joey Porter Jr., the corner out of Penn State. Yes, Joey Porter's son. With the Who first played for the Steelers, if with, you don't yes, know. With the first pick of the draft. Or first their first pick of the draft. And I'm very nervous that he could either go to the commanders right before them or they just pass on him because they never know how to draft corners. But they really need a corner <laughs> and I really, really want him. So think about me while they make their selection. And that's who I want. Uh, I'm sure we will. Everybody has that draft crush one player that you want your Do you team know to who take? I was the most obsessed with ever? And it's so weird because we were just talking about how like boring guards are. Back when I was in college, I didn't work in the NFL or anything. I just was obsessed with like, I just was getting into the NFL draft and obsessed with all that. Mike Iapati. Oh, the Niners guard. I wanted him to be a Steeler so bad. I think I shed a tear when he did not, (laughs) when he was not a Steeler. I was so mad. It's so random why I wanted a guard so bad. I was just, I really thought he was going to be like the best thing to ever come into the NFL, which... He was fine. He was good, yeah. but he wasn't like. He was a very solid player. Yeah, he was solid. He was not like, yeah, he wasn't, you know, a superstar, but he was a guard and he was a mauler in the run game, especially. He fit in perfect with those Harbaugh teams. Uh, Mikey Potty, wow, that's that's so weird. You've had a lot of weird 49er ties in your yeah. life. Like you and the 49ers have always sort of like, you know, orbited around each other. My that I, my sister growing up was a huge 49ers fan. That was her team. Oh, see again, it's just it keeps coming back. You were destined. She's not. Do... She's a Steelers fan now. My parents converted her, but oh well. You're and your Steelers, by the way, took Allen Robinson off the Rams' hands. Goodness. How do you feel about that one? I just feel like it made the offense even worse. He's already <laughs> bad. He just makes it worse. Like it's not that I hate on Allen Robinson. I think he could benefit some team I think he could help out some team but the Steelers is not one of them because Matt Canada doesn't know how to get guys open he's not creative in that way nobody has any space and Allen Robinson doesn't know how to create space at all especially now that he's older with injuries (laughs) so it's the worst combination and him being on the field just makes them even worse and I hate I don't even care they gave up nothing they really gave up nothing for him but the thing is he takes someone else's time on the field and instead of them, you know, maybe looking to get younger in the draft, they have an old, wasteful player on the field. Well, that's how I felt about Jason Verrett with the 49ers last year. And everybody was like, you got to take a flyer on him, man. And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure that guy's going to get hurt again because that's what happens every year. And guess what happened? He immediately got hurt. Well, they showed him trying to come back and they're like, he's so close. And he was still limping insanely on the field while he was running. <laughs> like that video was very confusing. It was like, are you showing he's ready to play? Cause he's not running on one leg. 
Yeah. By the way, the year the Niners took Mikey Potty, 2010, their first two picks, tackle Anthony Davis, guard Mikey Potty. Talk about an unsexy draft. Uh, fortunately for the Niners, they took Navarro Bowman in the third round, and he was a borderline Hall of Fame linebacker. So, Can you see that. who the Panthers took in the third round that draft? For a wide receiver. I was obsessed with that player, and I can't remember who it was. In 2010, in the third round, the Carolina Panthers selected Brandon LaFell. Yes, Brandon LaFell. Another guy. I think I threw my remote. Not like at <laughs> anything. I think I just threw it across the room. I wanted the Steelers to get Brandon LaFell so bad. I thought he was going to be such a stud, and he was a bust. He was bust. Right, and that's the point. All these guys we think are going to be so good. Oh, this team got this guy. Oh, this team got this guy. Don't sweat it, man. Most of them are going to be nothing in the NFL. That's why I don't fear the Seahawks or anybody else. Go for it, Eagles, Seahawks, whatever. Do your worst. I want to be back in college drinking beer, watching the draft. That sounds fun. Those were the good yeah, old I mean, times. Michelle has to work the draft for NFL. Every Network minute now. of so it. It's a little <laughs> different. You know, we can float in and out when we need to or want to. Michelle is locked in for, I mean, ultimately it's. it's and I had to it? work the draft last year after the Steelers took Kenny Pickett. You should have saw <laughs> my energy level just completely die. I was like having a time of my life. Like I'm working the NFL draft. It's so much fun. Like I, I understand that I'm privileged to get to do this. Like it's a pretty cool job. And then I see the Kenny Pickett. And I get the information a little bit early, so I see it come through, and I'm just miserable. The rest of the night, it ruined my night. Oh, man, that's what's well, going to happen to me when they don't take Joy Porter. It's, it's like 20 hours of programming, right? I mean, the draft is Saturday's four, brutal. Saturday's it's, brutal. It's a slog sometimes. But anyway, enjoy the draft, everybody. So uh, we haven't announced this yet, so I guess I'll announce it now. What we're planning to do... I think it's going to be me and Levin are going to be live. Uh, we'll, we'll go live a little before the 49ers pick at 99. And we'll stay live through all their picks in the third round and maybe longer depending on what happens. Uh, so we'll, be, we'll do a live reaction show. We're not going to be live before that because there's no reason to unless the 49ers make a trade up and move up, in which case we'll scramble and, and we'll do all that. But that's the plan right now is to do a live show Saturday or uh, Friday, I should say, excuse me, Friday night when the shortly before the 49ers are on the clock. So we hope everybody joins us uh, at the Niners nation, Niners nation. God, I'm still doing that gold standard YouTube page, our Facebook page, which you can follow us on now. Uh, my Twitch page at stats on fire. So we won't have you, Michelle. I'll be sad about that, but uh, Levin and I will be there. Are you guys ready to talk about whatever running back they trade up for? Right. That, but that's another thing too, right? Like what the what position they draft and when they draft that position tells you information about the team too. I always like information. Yes, information's good. As opposed to what they say. I don't care nearly as much about what they say as opposed to Actions what they speak do. louder than words. A freaking men, sister. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Again, rate, review, follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Like and subscribe to our YouTube page. Like I said, I'll talk to Ross Tucker on Tuesday this week, so we'll ask him about some draft needs. So that'll be on the YouTube page as well. Michelle, I hope you have a fantastic weekend this weekend. Taylor Swift, baby. Enjoy it. Taylor Swift, baby. Everyone have a good weekend. Bye, y'all. Bye.